5G is being touted as the fourth industrial revolution. It's been the source of international tension pitting the US versus China and has spurred conspiracy theories concerning everything from the destruction of the environment, Bill Gates surveilling the world, and even coronavirus. Could all this really be over cell phone reception? What's the deal? Today, we're going to learn all about 5G. We've got a fantastic expert on the subject. His name is Ron Westfall. He's a senior analyst and research director at Futurum Research. Futurum is an industry analyst firm that focuses on digital transformation and helps companies understand new and disruptive technologies like 5G. Ron's got 20 years of experience in the industry, so we're truly lucky to have him on. And the first thing I want to know from Ron is, what's 5G? Yes, that is a fundamental question, and the answer really is straightforward. It's the fifth generation of mobile technology, and what that means is that after the first four generations of mobile technology, we are now at the threshold of mobile technology that can make a dramatic impact, not just on one's cell phone uh, capabilities, but also uh, throughout many parts of uh, one's life. So the G stands for generation, but what did each generation do for us? Well, the 80s brought us 1G, which was basic wireless talking. 2G came in the 90s, and that was needed to make texting possible. 3G came out in 2001, and that allowed for GPS and mobile internet access. 4G debuted in 2009, and that gave us the technology that allowed for ride-sharing platforms and the video streaming apps like Snapchat, Instagram, and Facebook. When 4G was first deployed, when it was first uh, being built out and so forth, nobody knew uh, the use cases that would take off. And yes, you know, something like Facebook was well suited. It made it a much more valuable experience than if you were using you know, previous generation 3G technology. And other uh, excellent use cases that emerged and are with us today on a regular basis are Netflix, uh, for example, that requires 4G download speeds, uh, 4G experience at least, and also Uber and Lyft, uh, you know, uh, ride services such as that obviously require 4G networks in order to do the geopositioning and the other uh, capabilities that make the entire uh, experience uh, very streamlined and very efficient. So, yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, 4G ushered in these new services, these new applications that nobody were uh, that nobody knew about when uh, the networks were first being built out. Think for a moment of the enormous impact 4G had. It's the technology that made it possible to have companies like Uber and Instagram, apps that you revolve your life around. From the debut of 4G to now, the way we communicate, commute to work, consume music, meet romantic partners, and decide where we are going to eat were all transformed. New industries were created, and in the case of taxis, destroyed. Look how much 4G changed things. Now take that and multiply it by 100. That's what we can expect from 5G. It's got the potential to once again transform our lives far from what it is today. Doctors would be able to perform surgeries remotely using robots. For the 2020 Olympics, Japan was going to unveil holograms using 5G for sporting events that are so lifelike you could actually see the muscle fibers of players. And those are just some of the inventions we already know are coming out. Imagine what's to come. 
Just as 4G made cabs go away, 5G is already paving the way to make driving go away. That's uh, a use case that there's a lot of investment in today. In fact, uh, just the other day, uh, Nokia hosted an event where they were talking about literally uh, robotic taxis that uh, fly from, uh, for example, a, a high-rise building to another high-rise building in order to avert traffic down below. It's kind of a Blade Runner uh, scenario, but it's not too far-fetched at all because already we're seeing places that are investing in that capability using also a combination of artificial intelligence and robotics. And so uh, while that is talking about a technology that's a little further out in the near term, yes, uh, we see the operators forming partnerships with the auto manufacturers to use uh, 5G to enable uh, what are described as automated or autonomous vehicles. Uh, for example, uh, using the Uber example, uh, we can anticipate more fleets using automated uh, vehicles in order to streamline the delivery of packages and so forth. And while we won't necessarily see autonomous vehicles that are parked in uh, your garage anytime soon, we can anticipate on the business side, uh, the uh, again, the taxi replacement use case, uh, the ability of, uh, you know, well-defined routes within urban areas or a freight uh, transportation that goes cross-country using autonomous vehicle capabilities that must rely on 5G capabilities. So, yes, the investments are there, follow the money, and also the testing is improving. The capabilities are advancing. Companies like Qualcomm are coming through with bold new innovations, as well as companies like Marvell, that will make uh, uh, the ability of uh, vehicles to now become more autonomous. But when it's not autonomous, it's allowing uh, simply a better entertainment experience or quite simply a better road awareness and so forth. And it will be a little while longer before the autonomous vehicles completely sync to the smart city capabilities that we're hearing about, you know, uh, traffic monitoring, uh, certainly pollution monitoring and so forth, and syncing them all together under one management umbrella. So a city can actually definitely improve the quality of life and actually be able to communicate with vehicles automatically and in a real-time fashion so that all these things will become a reality in terms of reducing energy uh, levels, in terms of reducing uh, uh, pollution levels and so forth. And so that is something that's uh, very exciting. And again, that's where the, a lot of the investment is occurring. Smart cities will address many issues affecting the environment. Sensors connected to electric vehicles, traffic lights, trash cans, even smart gardens will all send information back to city personnel and reduce carbon emissions. According to a McKenzie Company report, by 2025, smart cities will reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 10 to 15% and save 25 to 80 liters of water per person per day. Connected devices like this are all part of the Internet of Things. Internet of Things makes everyday objects smart by enabling them to transmit data and automate tasks without requiring any manual intervention. These devices that stop working when not in use will significantly reduce energy demand. The Internet of Things uh, fundamentally encompasses anything that connects to the Internet. But on a day-to-day -day basis, people are talking about it more in terms of uh, business applications and sensor and uh, 
beacon applications. Uh, for example, uh, good Internet of Things uh, use cases involve, for example, being able to uh, use a pet collar to monitor uh, your dog's exercise activity. Uh, that's uh, one example. Uh, more importantly, it can involve uh, telehealth, you know, being able to use health monitoring equipment across the network, and that is using Internet of Things. But also it pertains uh, heavily to what are called machine-to-machine communications. Uh, that is, for example, a sensor on a NASA transport ship communicating to a port that's arriving in two hours, so therefore uh, you have to uh, maximize offloading that container ship to make sure the temperatures are right and so forth, avoiding some of the limitations of previous uh, technologies. And it's also uh, the fact that, for example, at your home, you have uh, monitoring and censoring equipment, for example, your security, uh, but also it's going to be broader. It will be everything uh, from, you know, for example, your consumer appliance uh, technology, your doorbells. All of these capabilities are using Internet of Things capabilities in order to communicate with uh, the Internet. Not all of it requires 5G, but by 5G, all of these Internet of Thing capabilities will become much better performing. And it's really 5G is required to scale it so that you can enable, for example, a mining operation to use Internet of Things successfully. Because with the mining operation, they can't use Wi-Fi. They're out in the middle of a remote area. And all these other use cases we talked about, you know, for example, uh, natural disasters and so forth, you need a 5G network, people with devices that can communicate uh, without having to rely on Wi-Fi in order to make that work. And so that is why Internet of Things is uh, so important, why it's a term that we'll hear a lot more about uh, over the next couple of years plus. In our new 5G connected world, we'll be able to look to the skies and see an explosion in drone use. Amazon packages or maybe even pizzas will be delivered by drones. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, drones will even be deployed on complex missions. For emergency response situations, drones would be able to fly wherever their cellular service, covering distances as far as 80 miles away to deliver emergency medications. And because of the speed, bandwidth, and reliability of the 5G cellular network, they could be navigated safely by someone from anywhere in the world. We can anticipate uh, drones being used, uh, for example, for public safety, uh, flying uh, medical supplies to hard-to-reach places. Uh, for example, if a natural disaster hits, uh, sometimes this is not possible to get a you know, conventional vehicle, no matter you know how sturdy and off-road capable it is, to, to a hard-hit area. And uh, one prime example that comes to mind uh, is actually the 2011 earthquake that hit Japan and caused a tsunami that knocked out the Fukushima nuclear reactor. And that, of course, generated a lot of headlines. But what was a serious problem with that whole tragedy is the fact that people cannot get through to emergency responders on the existing network. It was just uh, 2-3G dependent. And as a result, uh, the Japanese government has invested heavily and uh, working with companies like NTT and NEC and Netcracker and so forth to make uh, their networks uh, public safety uh, and critical infrastructure ready no matter the emergency. And so why this is important today is that the 5G networks have all these capabilities built in. You don't need a government initiative to go back and say, gosh, you know, we lost uh, almost 15,000 lives 
because people actually could not literally get on the network. Had they been able to get on the network in a normal fashion, a few thousand lives would have been saved. And so that is just a dramatic example of, you know, why 5G is so important and why it's important for somebody to really consider, okay, if a 5G service is available, I should take advantage of it, not because simply it's a better cloud gaming experience, because it could be a matter of life and death, quite literally. If you haven't figured it out by now, the shift of 5G is pretty important. It's estimated that by 2035, 5G will enable $12.3 trillion of global economic output and support 22 million jobs. The Pentagon has even said 5G is critical to the Department of Self-Defense. This is why it's so important the U.S. win the race to 5G, which it currently isn't. That lead goes to China. And the growth of Chinese-made telecommunications equipment has already been linked to cyber espionage. In an article from the Wall Street Journal, U.S. officials say Huawei, which is China's leading company in the space, can covertly access mobile phone networks around the world through back doors. And it's had this secret capability for more than a decade. The U.S. has already implemented precautionary measures against Huawei, creating further conflict between the two nations. And that is where there's controversy. I'd like to think of it there's actually two different controversies. One is that, okay, 5G has been overhyped a bit. And, you know, unfortunately, the COVID-19 global pandemic has delayed some of the 5G build-out. But we already talked about that it's where it's available, it's already having an impact. Uh, but the other controversy is geopolitical, and it is about supply chain integrity and other issues that are all interrelated. And uh, the one company that's getting the headlines attached to it and not in a positive way is Huawei. This is a company that's based in China. It's the premier infrastructure supplier for many existing mobile networks today, and they're making inroads with 5G where they're not actually being banned or limited. And what is going on is that the U.S. government is saying, hey, look, if you build a network using equipment from a China-based company like Huawei, it could compromise national security down the line. Uh, The U.S. government links Huawei to the China military, and there are decision makers that have served in the China military are members of the CCP or the China Communist Party. And so that is cause for concern because it's not so much, OK, is there an issue where we've seen Huawei manipulate a network uh, to undercut an ally or public safety somewhere? It's the fact that there's that potential. 5G has garnered its share of negativity thanks to conspiracy theorists. What's getting their attention has to do with how it works. 5G's been tailored to take advantage of the millimeter wave spectrum. These are high frequency bands above 24 gigahertz. But millimeter wave bands have their drawbacks. Signals don't travel very far. The range of a 5G tower is about 1,000 feet. That's less than 2% of the range of a 4G tower. That means that hundreds of thousands and possibly millions of new towers will be needed waves specifically have been linked to many disturbances in the ecosystems of birds. In a study by the Center for the Environment and Vocational Studies of Punjab University, researchers observed that after exposure to radiation from a cell phone tower for just 30 minutes, eggs of sparrows were disfigured. Information like this has spurred numerous conspiracy theories about the supposed harm of 5G radio waves. 
2018, a Stop 5G Facebook group was formed, which now has more than 20,000 members. Some of the conspiracy theories include killing birds, causing the California wildfires, and most recently, accelerating the spread of coronavirus. These conspiracy theories have yet to substantiate any actual facts and have been debunked by experts. 2020 was anticipated to be the year of 5G, but lo and behold, uh, the global pandemic actually put a halt on some of these plans. But progress is still being made. Uh, This is an area that is making a difference in places like critical infrastructure, in terms of public health, in terms of enabling remote workforces. 5G, where it's available, is already making a difference, and it'll make a much more difference in the future once it's more widely available. There was so much more to 5G than what I was expecting. I really enjoyed all the reading I had to do in preparation for this episode. I hope you guys got a lot of valuable information out of it, too. I want to thank Futurum Research and Ron Westfall for coming on the podcast. Until next time, I've been Michael Q, and now I'm going to go find something new to learn.